So Holy Spirit, ask that you would open the word, scripture to us this morning and help us to know Jesus' power in a real way. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Someone recently sent me a story, which is supposedly true, about a Sunday school teacher who asked her kids, do you know what Easter is? And one little girl said, yeah, Easter is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. But then before the teacher could say yes, the girl just kept talking and said, but if he sees his shadow, he has to go back in and we have six more weeks of winter. (laughs) Well, if Easter tells us anything about Jesus who is God in the flesh, it's the opposite. It's that he is not a God who is afraid of his own shadow and who retreats back. Instead, Jesus is a warrior who can conquer anything. So let me start with this question. What would you like to conquer in your life? Is it some problem you've got, health, financial, relational problem, feelings of grief or loss? Maybe it's just boredom. You're just wondering if there isn't more to life. Easter shows us that Jesus is a lot of things. He is wise. He is a healer. He is loving. But most of all, he is a victorious warrior. And if we know him, we can tap into the power that raised him from the dead and put it into our lives. You see, when Jesus was crucified on Good Friday, what was going on there was a cosmic battle where the devil brought his best game, his best sauce, death, shame, suffering, fear, hurled all of that at Jesus. But Jesus absorbed all of that evil and turned it back around into new life when he was raised from the dead. Which shows us that Jesus is stronger than anything you or I might ever face. For instance, he is stronger than death. He conquered it. Now, I know some of you today may doubt that Jesus was really raised from the dead. Maybe think, well, it's just a myth. So let me take just two minutes to give you a few reasons why I, a former atheist with a Ph.D., I'm convinced that the historical evidence shows that Jesus really was raised from the dead, and I'm hard to convince. And if you go to this church, you've heard me say some of this before, so just consider this a brief review. But don't check out on me. I'm preaching. First, Jesus' disciples all died claiming that they saw him raised from the dead. Folks will die for a lot of things, not something they know they made up. Second, if it's made up, why were women the first witnesses of the resurrection? In a culture where women were considered such pathological liars that their testimony was not admissible in a court of law, if you were making this story up in that culture, you wouldn't make women the first witnesses of the resurrection. Some guy would have been there. Then there's the conversion of people like the Apostle Paul who killed Christians for a living but then became one himself because he saw the risen Jesus. That's a pretty big turnaround. That'd be like the CEO of Pepsi holding a press conference to say, you know what, Coke really is the real thing. (laughs) Jesus claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. A lot of people made that claim. Most were killed for it. And when they were killed for it, a close relative would rise up and take over the claim. But in Jesus' case, none of his disciples, nor even Jesus' brother, did that. They didn't have to because Jesus didn't stay dead. On top of that, the Bible accounts do not read like myth. I just noticed, I've never noticed it before in the story that we just read, when Rich read it. It says, the angel rolled the stone away and sat on it. Okay, if you were making up a myth, you don't put details in like that. They don't have details like that. Those are just a few reasons to believe it really happened. And there's a sheet in your bulletin that gives you even more reasons, plus some books that argue for the veracity of the resurrection. 
And if you doubt that this really happened, I would encourage you, in order to have intellectual integrity, to look at both sides of the argument, read that sheet, read one of the books on that sheet. Because here's the good news. Jesus conquered death, and if we know him, we will rise again like he did. And that's good news because we all face death, right? Pastor John Ortberg talks about research on aging that shows that already at the age of 25, that's it, age 25, we start to decline physically. Bones get brittle. Noses and ears get bigger. Great. Like, I needed that. By the time you're 30, you lose tens of thousands of brain cells every day. And some of you are thinking, okay, so that explains my in-laws, right? (laughs) Hair stops growing where it once grew in order to boldly go where no hair has gone before. (laughs) I have a friend who on his 30th birthday, his wife gave him his first ever nose hair trimmer. Sort of a rite of passage, right? Here's the thing. There's a very good chance you're going to die. You know, the human mortality rate these days is hovering right around 100%. Somewhere in that vicinity. (laughs) This week, my wife and I were talking about someone who recently died very peacefully in her sleep. And we were saying how this woman's family surrounded her hospital bed and sang hymns. And then as they did that, she died. At which point, my six-year-old daughter said, how did their singing kill her? (laughs) If it's not someone singing that does it to you, something will. But Jesus conquered death. And if we know him, we will rise to new life, just like he did. Not as some disembodied spirit floating around on a cloud, playing harps all day in the eternal church service in the sky, like that'd be cool. No, 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 no. Like in a body, just like Jesus had. A body that never ages, never dies, never knows pain or suffering again. The Bible says that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he could walk through walls. And we think, well, that's probably because he was some wispy little spirit. But physics says the opposite, right? In order for something to pass through something else, that object has to be more dense than the thing it passes through. Jesus could walk through walls because he was more solid than the wall. In other words, he was more real after the resurrection, not less. So here's the deal. If you know Jesus, you're in for a serious upgrade. You, (laughs) 2.0. With Jesus, not even death can stop us. So what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? Second thing, Jesus is stronger than his boredom, which can be a big problem in our culture. Jesus' resurrection is just the first example of how God is out to make all things new on this planet. The resurrection is just the first instance of that. Now he wants to resurrect the whole world. And Jesus, who is God in the flesh, invites us to partner with him in the making new of all things. And when you are part of God's rescue mission to this world, life becomes an adventure. Do you ever feel restless, bored with life a little bit? Like, is this all there is? And maybe try to fill that with the next cool vacation or the promotion or the next purchase, but it doesn't last? Jesus can stop your restless itinerary of desire. A couple years ago, I was with a a group from this church on a humanitarian trip to Rwanda. And one of the places we stopped at was a center for women who had survived the genocide but had suffered a lot of loss and trauma through it. And the center was called Speak, I'm Listening, which we thought was a wonderful name because, you know, if it was here in America, it might have been called Shut Up, I'm Talking, (laughs) especially in New Jersey. (laughs) 
Well, one of the guys on the trip, I'm just gonna just welcome the emails on that one. Just <laughs> let them fly. Well, one of the guys on that trip was a very successful businessman, had everything you're supposed to want to have, right? Cool house, great job, blah, 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 blah. But had been feeling restless, wondering, isn't there more to life than just climbing the ladder? So in prayer, he had been getting these kind of thoughts that he felt were from Jesus, nudging him to go to Rwanda. So he did. Now, by his own admission, he is a high-energy adrenaline junkie. And at this center, our job was just to visit with the women and listen to them. The director called it a ministry of presence. But he said to me, I hate ministry of presence. It's ministry of boring. I want to do something active. Well, in the middle of this, he started to pray, and he got another nudge that he thought was from Jesus to go talk to this one woman who was standing alone, a Rwandan woman. So through an interpreter, they started some small talk, and then suddenly she opened up. She said that during the genocide, she and her brother were hiding in some bushes, and they saw a white man walking down the road, and her brother went out and asked him for help. But instead, the white man grabbed her brother and held him there until the militia came along and killed him. And she had to watch all this from the bushes. And she said ever since then, she has felt deep sorrow and intense anger at white people, even though she knows in her head that most white people would never do that. Well, when she finished talking, my friend, who is white, said, you know what, I am so sorry for what he did. In fact, I am sorry for whatever any white person might have done to you. And on their behalf, I apologize. Well, they talked some more, and, and then she pointed to his camera, and she asked him to take some pictures. And she called her friends over, and they started taking a bunch of pictures, and pretty soon everyone was laughing and telling stories, and then they started to dance because that's what they do in Rwanda, and they grabbed my friend and forced him to dance with all of them, at which point he looked over at me and said, how did I get into this, right? Well, at the end, the woman said to him, today my anger has been healed because you listened to my story. So as we were leaving, this man said to me, oh, okay, maybe ministry of presence is good. <laughs> and then he said, I think I came to Rwanda just for her. He had an adventure. Jesus nudged him to go to Rwanda, nudged him to talk to that woman, and he became Jesus' partner in setting her free. And you don't have to go to Rwanda for that. Jesus can nudge you to adventure right here. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want life to be a big adventure. I do not want to be bored. When my wife and I were watching the snowboard competition on the Olympics, right before Sean White did his run, the commentator said, we snowboarders have a saying for a moment like this. We say, this is when you have to tap into the eye of the tiger. I have no idea what that means. Right? Like, it, it, does that mean tapping into your inner awful pop song from the 80s? I mean, you know... <laughs> You got it. The other services didn't, except for <laughs> 10 o'clock and you guys, you got it. Way to go. You've listened to bad music. Awesome. Well, then Sean White went on to execute his new move, which is wonderfully named the Double McTwist 1260, right? But like, I had no idea what any of that meant, but I wanted it, right? I wanted to tap into the eye of the tiger, wherever that might be. And I want to do a double McTwist 1260. And with Jesus, here's the thing. That's what life becomes. It is not a gentle ride down the bunny slope, but a double McTwisty thingy. <laughs> because he is stronger than death. He is stronger than our boredom. And finally, he is stronger than our pain. And when we face grief or sorrow or a health or financial problem, he is going to conquer it in one of two ways. He'll remove it miraculously. Doesn't always happen, but I know a few people 
whose cancer has been cured after prayer in ways the doctors couldn't explain, or who have found miraculous provision in times of need. In fact, just recently, a woman I know, serious financial difficulty because of some medical expenses her insurance won't cover. All she could do is pray. Turned out to be enough. A couple weeks later, anonymously, someone just gave her all the money she needed to cover her expenses. Now, that doesn't always happen, but sometimes Jesus does the miracle. But sometimes the miracle is we feel his presence so much, it feels so real inside of us, that it drives out fear, drives out pain, and ushers in joy and strength. I know a woman whose adult daughter died. But this woman said that in her grief, she felt God's presence in a way she never had before. Not as an idea, but no, he was really there. And the sense that the creator of the universe was with her gave her strength and confidence and even a little bit of joy in a hard time. She said, for instance, on the first Christmas after her daughter's death, when the family was getting together for the first time without her, as they were entering the house, they looked up and there was this double rainbow over their house. She said, you know, it's just a simple thing, but it made me feel like God was with me. Just a few days later, this woman was driving and feeling this deep grief, and she said, God, I need to know you're with me. I need that rainbow. Right as she came around the corner, there again, another rainbow. But when she got past the corner, it was gone, as if God had put it there just for her. And she said, again, I felt God was right with me, and it gave me hope and strength and even some joy in the middle of something so hard. Now, you could say, well, we live in Seattle. Of course there were rainbows, right? Rains all the time here. Or you could say, wow, the timing of those rainbows was pretty amazing. Besides, remember, in order to have a rainbow, you also need sunlight, and that's the miracle in Seattle, right? <laughs> I remember one time talking to a group of people and saying that in times of crisis, God shows up and gives us strength and joy in ways we've never experienced before. And this woman was sitting there nodding vigorously and saying, that's right, that's right, it's true, it's happened to me. Jesus is stronger than death. Stronger than boredom, stronger than our pain, stronger than any problem we might face. There's a married couple I know in my former church in California whose permission I have to share this story. And they had a lot of credit card debt, which made the husband feel trapped in a job that he hated. And that started to build up a lot of restlessness and resentment in him, and he did not handle it in a very good way. He ended up having not one, not two, but five affairs over the course of several years. But at the same time, he was also starting to get more involved in his church, and the contradiction between those two things began to eat away at him. So finally, on his own, he ended the affairs, just stopped him cold on his own. But he told nobody what he had done, least of all his wife. And he knew in his head that Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty for his sin, but he didn't feel forgiven. And the guilt was like an anchor on his soul. So he started to drop hints to a good friend of his. And so one day the friend started just asking him questions. What is this burden you're carrying? Do you have a porn addiction? Are you an alcoholic? Did you cheat on your wife? And then out it all came. The friend walked him through a process of confession and receiving Jesus' forgiveness. And, and this man also got some counseling from a pastor in his church. Well, a few months later, they were all at church in worship together, this man and his wife and the friend. And there was a time where people could come forward to get some prayer. And this man's wife stepped forward to get prayer because she also had some struggles of her own. She'd always dealt with insecurity and feeling unattractive and like she wasn't good enough. 
And as she was getting prayed for, she suddenly felt an intense sense of joy like she had never known before. And just a miraculous sense of joy. And it seemed to completely wipe away all the lies she was believing about herself. Well, meanwhile, the sermon that day was on forgiveness. And this man's friend turned to him and said, who do you need to forgive? And this man said, well, I think I need to forgive me, myself, at least start there. So after church, this man and his friend, they prayed together. And as they did, this man, all he could hear was God saying in his head, all he could hear was God saying, tell her. Tell her everything. Now that's not the kind of thing you want to do lightly. You want to make sure that you've got a good counselor to guide you through how and when to do that. But he had that. And the timing seemed right because Jesus seemed to be working on both he and his wife. So that night, he told her. He confessed everything. And then begged her, will you please forgive me? Well, understandably, she was very hurt and intensely furious and let him know about it. But the joy she'd felt that morning in church was also still there. She'd had this powerful experience of God's love that she felt a security and a strength inside of her that she had never known before. There was spine, there was steel in her spine. And she yelled and she fought with him and they both cried all night. But by morning, she had decided to work on trying to forgive him, but that he had to work on his issues too, which he was already doing. There was a strength in her that night that she had never known before. Well, the next day they got together with the friend that had helped them and they all prayed together. And this couple felt like God was reuniting them in that time of prayer. And then in the weeks that followed, some of their friends started to notice some changes. They, they even kind of looked physically different because, for one thing, they were always smiling and laughing all the time. And as, they, as the months went on, they were able to clear up some of their debts through the guidance of some good friends. She found confidence to take new risks in her career, something she'd been afraid to do before. And he eventually got a job that was more rewarding. All of that was several years ago. Now, they still have work to do on their marriage. Old wounds and fears still crop up. This isn't something that just goes away right away. But for the most part, they are free. Now, let me ask you this question. How is it that a woman who has struggled with feelings of insecurity her whole life hears something like that from her husband and ends up feeling stronger and more secure, not less? How does that happen? And this man who was trapped in a prison of shame was set free. And there is death all over this story. Death of a marriage, death of a dream, death of innocence. But Jesus gave them new life. And today their marriage is stronger than it ever was before. That's what Jesus can do. You see, he does his best work in graveyards. And there is nothing so dead that he cannot raise it to new life. So what do you want to conquer? Is it fear? Is it boredom? Is it some problem? Is it some issue? If you know Jesus, will you turn to him and trust that he is stronger than that thing you face? And even though it may take time, it may take time, but he will deliver you. And if you don't know Jesus, will you at least investigate? Read that sheet. Read one of the books that I recommend there. I'd recommend The Case for Christ. Start there. Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And if we can help here at the church, contact one of our pastors. We would love to talk to you. Because with Jesus, life just gets bigger, richer, deeper, better, and he can conquer anything. And he is way more reliable than anything else we might turn to. Way more reliable than anything else we might hope for. You know, folks have not been getting together for 2,000 years to find hope by saying things like, the stock market has risen, it has risen indeed. <laughs> or my 401k has risen, it has risen indeed, right? Those things do not conquer. 
Here's the one hope that has held up human beings across every continent for 2,000 years of poverty, pain, hardship, even death. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he is stronger. Stronger than our pain. Stronger than our boredom. Stronger than our problems. Stronger than our sin. He is risen. He is Lord of all. And he is our rock, our fortress, our salvation. And even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his love will cast out fear. Where is death's sting? Where grave your victory? We triumph still because he abides with us. And even in the storms of this life, we won't turn back, won't give up, won't give in, will not be defeated or retreat, for our Lord is with us. And if our Lord is with us, whom then shall we fear? Whom then shall we fear? Because he that is in us is way stronger than anything out there. Jesus, help us to feel that strength. Help us to know it in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds, in our bones, so that we can overcome, so that we can be victorious warriors as you are, and we will point to you as the source of our courage and our hope. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.